Welcome to He is God and I am not, a podcast devoted to equipping the saints with the tools needed to defend their faith. Our Twitter handle is at He is God, I am not. I'm your host JP, so let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of He Is God, I Am Not. I'm JP, your host, and I am happy to get back to the podcast after an extended hiatus. I've been very involved in other areas of ministry, and I've been rather busy in my everyday life, my real job, so to speak. And this podcast, unfortunately, had to take a backseat for a while, but I'm happy to be getting back to the study of Keechee Catechism. The last podcast we had was on April 29th of 2021 today is december 26th so yes it has been a while and on april 29th we discussed the topic may all men make use of the scriptures and of course the answer to that question was yes all men are not only permitted but commanded and exhorted to read hear and understand the scriptures so when we say all men may indeed make use of the scriptures, we need to note that obedience to the scriptures, even among those who do not claim to be born again, that that obedience results in lives that are more noble, of higher morality, lives that are less chaotic. Now, these elevating traits lead people to be more at peace with one another. And that is a blessing of obedience to scripture. And if you will, it is a general grace of living a life of obedience to the precepts of Scripture, even if the person does not know Christ personally. A natural benefit that arises from following the Scriptures as a guide to life is becoming more familiar with what Scriptures teach. And that is why all men are not only permitted, but commanded and exhorted to read, hear, and understand the Scripture. Because even if they're not born again, it becomes a blessing to those lives. Now, regarding what Scriptures teach, or what the Scriptures teach, There are so many ideas, both good and bad, that men have about what exactly the Bible teaches. And this catechism is laying a foundation upon which we can build a solid framework of thought. Now, before we get into question seven, I want us to recall the previous questions and answers that we have reviewed in this podcast. So who is the first and best of beings? God is the first and best of beings. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. How do we know that there is a God? The light of nature in man and the works of God plainly declare that there is a God, but His Word and Spirit only do effectually reveal Him to us for our salvation. So what is the Word of God? The Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments being given by divine inspiration are the Word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice. How do we know that the Bible is the Word of God? The Bible evidences itself to be God's word by the heaviness of its doctrine, the unity of its parts, its power to convert sinners and to edify saints, but only the Spirit of God, bearing witness by and with the scriptures in our hearts, is able to fully persuade us that the Bible is the word of God. And again, the question we just covered or discussed, may all men make use of the scriptures. All men are not only permitted, but it they are commanded and exhorted to read, hear, and understand the scriptures. So those are the first six questions and answers of Keech's Catechism that we've been studying. And it's that logical progression of thought that we come to question seven in the Catechism, what do the scriptures principally teach? 
The Bible is written with two main overarching themes. What we should believe about God and what man's duty toward God is. Now, Keith does offer, of course, scriptures for this question, but I would like to point out before we get into those scriptures what the scriptures don't answer. The scriptures do not answer the questions about what God is, who He is, the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the sovereignty of God, the creation and nature of man. None of that is addressed in this question and answer. Rather, what Keech is doing is he has taken the catechism he's familiar with, he is putting it into form, that's why it's called Keech's Catechism. It's not original with him, he just put it together. And he has taken this question and giving an answer of why the scripture shows why the Bible is authoritative in answering that question about what God's nature is, what man's duty toward God is. He teaches what we should believe about God. So we're going to look at the scriptures that Keech gives to the question, what do the scriptures principally teach? And that is what we should believe about God and what man's duty toward God is. Now, the first question, or scripture, I should say, regarding um, this question, what do the scriptures principally teach? And in that, the answer being what we should believe about God and what man do toward God is, he addresses the authority of scripture. Paul said this, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished to all good works. Now, with this passage from 1 Timothy, Paul is making a defense of the sufficiency of Scripture. When he says all Scripture, he is talking about the totality of inspired Scripture dispensed by the divine Jehovah, Yahweh himself. Now, that includes the writings of Paul himself. It includes the Gospels, it includes what we call the Old Testament. It excludes the writings of other religions. And Paul is driving a landmark deep into the thought here that all Scripture inspired by God is indeed inspired. That is the knowledge or the understanding of what is called theonoustos, or Scripture being God-breathed. Theo from God, noustos meaning air or breath. So it is God-breathed. So the actual writings that we refer to as the Bible, they are inspired. They are God-breathed. They are profitable. So Scripture has authority. It is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. The word doctrine referring to teaching, you can teach with Scripture. It is good for reproof. In other words, evidence of our faith is found in Scripture. It is good for correction. I love this word. It means to straighten up, to rectify. Here in the South, we have a phrase, you better straighten up. You better act right. And I love this phrase that it's, Scripture is good for correction. And it means to straighten up, to rectify, to correct. Scripture has the authority to do that. And it is also profitable for instruction in righteousness. The word instruction meaning discipline correction, that strict teaching that a child might have with a tutor, and righteousness meaning justification. So we should be strictly trained in the doctrine of justification, how we are justified before God. 
And finally, Paul is saying here that Scripture has authority to equip God's messengers fully, that the man of God may be truly furnished, perfectly furnished unto all good works. And Scripture is capable of that. The next Scripture that we read in the Catechism is not only the authority of Scripture that we find in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, but also the result of Scripture. What is the result of Scripture if a person yields himself to it? It is simply this, John 20, verse 31. But these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John is clear that the goal of his gospel is to bring sinners to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the point of the whole book, is to bring people to the understanding of what God is. And if you recall, we just mentioned what is the chief end of man. That was the second catechism we learned. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You cannot do that unless you believe upon Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, that he died for your sin, and he came for that purpose. And John is clear that is the goal of the gospel, is to bring sinners to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we see not only the authority of Scripture, the result of Scripture, but we also see the fulfillment of Scripture. Acts 24.14, Paul is talking to Felix, and he has been accused of heresy by the Jews, and he's talking to Felix, one of the rulers, and he says, I confess to you that after the way which they call heresy, yes, I worship the God of my fathers, believing all the things which are written in the law and in the prophets, you must understand that to the Jewish people, the Christian belief of Christ as the Redeemer and Messiah is heresy. Paul, being a devout Jew, stood before Felix accused of this quote-unquote heresy. And he is making his case that belief in the scriptures and the prophecies point him to faith in Christ as the one foretold and prophesied. The Bible is clear. It is the belief in Christ that marks the saved from the lost. Where do you stand? In your opinion of Jesus Christ, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Scripture? Paul did. He stood accused of heresy for that. Where do you stand in your opinion of Jesus Christ? So we see the authority of Scripture, the result of Scripture, the fulfillment of Scripture. The next two are the example and the purpose of Scripture. The example of Scripture is 1 Corinthians 10, 11, chapter 10, verse 11. Now, all these things happen to them, the Jewish people, for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now, that is a scripture that we need to provide context for. What Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, he is recounting a portion of the wilderness journey, the key events, so to speak. He points out the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night that the Jews were led by. He recounts the crossing of the Red Sea, the water from the rock, those who died not believing God, and they were not allowed to go into Canaan. That whole generation of people, save Joshua and Caleb, died out. And he points out that all these things happened as an example for us, and they also pointed to Christ. I would like to say, in tandem with that, that all of Scripture, the Old and New Testament, what I like to call the First and Second Testaments, all point to Christ. Scripture is all about Jesus. He is the point. And that is the example of Scripture.
And finally, Keach brings up Ecclesiastes 12:13. He says here, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And this is the writer of Ecclesiastes saying this. That's it. The whole duty of man. Do you fear God? It is your duty to fear him. Do you keep his commandments? It is your duty to live a life of obedience. The very last point has a lot of layers to unpack that we don't really have time for, nor is it the intent of this particular podcast. But we talk about keeping the law, keeping the commandments. But let us just say, suffice it to say, that obedience to God is wrapped up loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors ourselves. Obedience is a joy and natural outpouring of the new birth. It's not a burden to obey. It's a burden to be disobedient when we're born again, and we want to obey. So our obedience is a joy and natural outpouring of the new birth. So I have a question for you. Are you an obedient child or a disobedient rebel? The scripture will reveal your nature. I really appreciate the approach that is brought here in the Catechism. There is absolutely no attempt to prove any of these things to a secular, unregenerated mind. The scriptures are presented, and it is the effectual working power of the Holy Spirit to bring men to belief. No amount of persuasion, and I've said this before on this podcast, no amount of persuasion will remove doubt. No amount of persuasion will bring faith. No amount of persuasion will create Christians out of sinners unless the Holy Spirit reveals such to the sinner and draws him to Christ. I cannot save a person through my abilities. And just as I cannot save a person through my abilities, I in my faithfulness can see no person saved in my efforts and I bear no responsibility. Salvation or not, it is the work of God apportioned to His Holy Spirit. It is the Word of God, illuminated by the Holy Spirit's work, that causes a person to accept the authority of Scripture, the result of Scripture, the fulfillment of Scripture, the example of Scripture, and the purpose of Scripture. God has it all wrapped up in Scripture. Only God could have put it all together, and only God can work salvation in a person through these things. It is not our intellect. It is not our ability. I don't have enough intellect to save a person. I don't have enough ability to save a person or persuade a person. That is the work of God. And that is why I'm thankful that he is God and I am not. And let us all be thankful for that. 